0: Thanks so much for joining us for the latest episode of Taking the Complex and Making it Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. Join us as Michael Merlin, founder of Merlin Wealth Management and various friends and experts break down complicated financial topics to make them easy to understand. If you'd like more information about Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocco.com forward slash Merlin. And with that, here's founder of Merlin Wealth Management and private wealth advisor at Rockefeller Capital Management, Michael Merlin. Thanks Tom
1: and hi everyone. Welcome to the uh, third edition of the taking it, taking the complex and making it simple, uh, the Merlin wealth management podcast, uh, excited to be with you today. Uh, we do not have a special guest today. Uh, it's just gonna be yours truly, uh, talking about a subject that is obviously very passionate to me, uh, and that is, uh, wealth transfer, uh, more specifically the famous or maybe now infamous quote uh, that we talk about very often here at MWM, which is shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Uh, I was recently involved in a marketing exercise and the overwhelming majority of those involved in this exercise when they heard the phrase or the quote shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations had a got a cringy look on their faces and they said what that, that sounds terrible and uh i sat back and thought about it and said you know may, maybe maybe that's the wrong perspective or maybe that's the wrong way to go about uh this idea of t- of tackling the mission of an orderly and a effective transfer of wealth uh or legacy planning if you will maybe the b- the wrong mindset is to go in with this shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves mentality. For those of you who are, who are, who are not aware of of the quote, uh, it was coined many years ago as a way of, of showing that, that older generations, baby boomers or, or previous, uh, worked hard and created significant wealth, but that that wealth was squandered, uh, by the third generation. And, uh, one of the misconceptions in that quote is that it was squandered financially. Whereas in most cases that those funds were squandered based on other family dynamics or other or poor planning. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more today uh, because that is obviously a passion and a focus of ours, uh, which is to assist our clients in making sure that that does not happen. Uh, but I think that, 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 that sitting back and and looking at it, I started thinking that that was maybe more of a negative bent because I think it when, when put in front of the patriarch or the matriarch or the wealth creation, generation of a family, it seems to put an onus on the next generations as being inadequate or or unprepared to to inherit the wealth or inherit the responsibilities of what the family business or what the family legacy entails. And I think that that's 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 the wrong way to go about it. This is not a this is not a uh, the the process of legacy transfer or wealth transfer is not one to indict the next generations, it's really to help educate and prepare the next generations. And I think while the older generation may worry about. Possible deficiencies within their next generations, I think it would actually be better to look at what they can bring to the table. A lot of times, whether it's entrepreneurship, innovation, uh, new ideas, creative ideas. Uh, I think those are the things that, that, that the next generation is, is dying to bring to the table. But in some cases aren't given the opportunity to and so i think rather than than come at this question with a negative paradigm what we've seen is that families whose wealth successfully crosses generations are those that focus on the new on the upcoming generations positive aspects again values orientation a desire to make a difference teamwork uh, and that behavior uh, is typically the one that those that can be fostered to help the process move forward in a very healthy and a very positive way. And so I, you know, I actually think it's, it's good to start out by talking about wealth in general, and, you know, I wrote an article in the Atlanta business chronicle, uh, several years ago back, I think it was in 2014, where I said that if you asked a random sampling of people to define what wealth is, I think you'd get a variety of responses. And I think that's because wealth is only partially defined by the amount of money that anyone has in their bank account. Uh, In fact, I think true wealth is often about much more than a bottom line. It's typically about what people value most deeply in life. And so when we work with families on a regular basis, we try to help clients protect their financial assets, but at the same time, we wanna help them realize that there are way more components to wealth than just that bottom line. And so, The first one that I think is the most important, and I think is one of the key factors in, in wealth transfer and in legacy transfer is, is communicating and imparting the strong sense of values and goals that helped the wealth creating generation, uh, be successful and translate that down to the next generations. And I like to ask people when we start going down that process, what got you here? And I find that in most cases, there's an underlying value system that successful people have that guided them toward their achievements. They focus on goals. They focus on systems and process. They are usually maniacal or habitual, if you will, about those systems and processes because they believe in their minds that they made their own luck and that things did not just happen by accident. And obviously all of that is underlied by, uh, by a sense of hard work, or a or a, a ethos of hard work, and a sense of morality, and courage, uh, to think differently and to do things differently, and to potentially kind of zig when others are zagging, uh, and I think that that uh, those tenets are core to being passed to the to the ideals that need to be passed down as wealthy individuals look to incorporate their next generations into whether it's a family business or family planning, or just into the, uh, the, the activities of the, of the family in general, you know, I feel like. Focusing on these values and goals is uplifting. Again, it's positive. Uh, it also, I think helps with one of the, I know the wealth creators biggest fears, which is not killing ambition in the next generation, a a conversation about hard work, about a positive mindset, a growth mindset, about being innovative and and creative and entrepreneurial clearly is not one about handouts or about living life in in an easy way. It's more of an uplifting conversation and inspiring conversation about explaining to the next generations how the family became successful, but also ways that they can become successful in their own right. I think one thing that's another misconception is that the next generations are not necessarily as focused on creating their own wealth because of what the family's accomplished. And we find that to be absolutely not true. We find that the next generations are ambitious. They are motivated. They are passionate. They may not even want to pursue the same business interests as the family. They may want to stake their own claim, go out and do their own thing. Uh, But I think that in in all those cases, the, the majority of the cases, I should say, the uh, the the next generations are eager to participate. They're eager to 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 contribute, and I think it's up to the matriarchs, patriarchs, up to the wealth creating generation to allow that to happen in a way that is healthy, in a way that 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 fosters collaboration and and mentorship. And and one of the best ways to do that, which is our one of the second, I guess, the second tenet, if you will, of what we believe to be a successful wealth transfer plan is a commitment to educate uh, back in 2014. When I, when I wrote this article in the business chronicle, Morgan Stanley had done a, uh, a poll that said that two thirds of Atlanta investors. So anybody in, in our, in our wonderful city who had more than a hundred thousand dollars in investable assets plan to transfer money or other assets to their heirs uh, at some point during their lifetime. And of those investors over half. Uh, felt that they would transfer at least 50% of their assets with children being the most favored recipient and charity obviously being the second. And we'll get to charity in a second. Uh, so if, with this wealth transfer that's coming, and you know, back in 2014, I know the number was about $41 trillion, which was set to change hands between baby boomers and their heirs. Obviously, since 2014, markets have increased dramatically. So I'm sure that number is even more staggering today than it was Eight years ago, uh, but there is a staggering amount of wealth that's going to transfer from one generation to the next very, very, very soon, and that generation needs to be prepared. the The, the inheriting generation needs to be prepared uh, for for that for that for those events. Uh, and I don't think parents in this case uh, would ever want their children to be unprepared for anything. You know, we all we all get on our kids about being prepared for tests or being prepared for uh, interviews or whatever the case may be. Uh, and we we get them tutors and we help them uh, with all the resources they possibly need that could get them prepared to take those tests or be successful in those interviews. Yet when it comes to wealth transfer and it comes to financial education, we don't have the same structure or the same, uh, or the, or the same passion, if you will, about making sure that our kids, uh, are prepared for this, which is, I think an equal responsibility and challenge. So I believe strongly, and and we here at at Merlin wealth management and, and, and this podcast in and of itself, uh, is a testament to that. We are try we try very hard to create financial literacy resources. We have a financial literacy curriculum, uh, that we encourage our clients to leverage. Uh, it's obviously the 21st century now. And so we want that curriculum to be electronic and easily uh, accessible. Uh, taking some of the of the historical pieces that we've used uh, or some of the uh, slide presentations, if you will, that we've used uh, for financial literacy education in the past and digitizing those. So whether they live on our website or whether they're done in a podcast or whether they're even done in in, in a series of videos uh, that's what we're uh, working on today to make that more accessible to our clients. Uh, but I, 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 feel so strongly that it is important to do, to, 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 make that education, uh, a pillar of the family mission statement and, you know, beyond just delivering it, I think there's, there, there needs to be some momentum to it. And, and one of the ways we've seen that be successful is that we, we work with a lot of families that have regular family meetings. Uh, those meetings can be around vacations they can just be uh, in the backyard, they can be over a meal. Uh, but in all those cases they're, they're recurring. Uh, people understand what the agenda is going to be uh, and in all of them there is some component of education that is imparted, whether that the, the family brings in a speaker or whether there's an activity. Uh, but there's always a, a, an educational element related to either uh, the asset asset management or investment piece, uh, the estate planning piece, the philanthropic piece or this uh this best practices piece if you will the the values and the goals piece and so uh, we think that that's incredibly important and, and we love to be participatory uh in that part uh, the other thing I, I said i would i would also talk about today uh, a little bit is is the philanthropy piece and i think in conjunction with the education the philanthropy piece can sometimes be a great place to start with uh the educational aspects uh a lot of times especially if for some reason, the wealth creating generation is a little uncomfortable uh, starting with the big picture, uh, showing just pulling out the balance sheet and pulling out the or the pulling out the, the 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 asset statements and showing the next generation sort of what everything is or giving them numbers behind it. Sometimes it's easier to start out with philanthropy and to inform the next generations or to or to bring them in to the philanthropic mission statement and to bring them into the family's philanthropic uh, endeavors. Uh, because a lot of the same skills we use in building businesses or vetting investments or otherwise managing wealth also apply to effective philanthropy, but in this case, maybe less threatening both to the parents and to the, and to the children, uh, because they don't involve, obviously for the parent, they don't involve divulging the extent of the family's assets. And for the kids, I think there's no wrong answer, right? So when, if, 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 uh. If a next generation brought an investment to the table and the family decided to invest in it and it went and it didn't go well, obviously there's quote unquote perceived consequences to that on the philanthropic side. I think that's a little bit less threatening where you may pick a charity that ultimately you may only support for a little while because the mission isn't exactly what you thought or, uh, or the execution isn't, but it's all going to a good cause. So I think sometimes that is a little bit less uh, alarming for the next generation when they're given a task to participate or to take a sub account of money from a, a foundation or a donor advised fund and and invest quote unquote on the philanthropic side themselves. What one of the great parts of that obviously is it's a, it's a it's a trial run. It gets to show you what type of quote unquote wealth managers your kids will be or your next generations will be. Um, who is, for example, the heart. Who really is looking for, at things from a, from from that angle and, and, and letting the heart lead the way? Who's more cerebral, uh, and who may not even be that interested at all? And uh, I think uh, an exercise in ph- we've seen exercises in philanthropy uh, help sh- bring some clues or bring some or bring some ideas to the table and some feedback to the table, and that can really begin at any age that the wealth creating generation feels uh that the that the kids are ready or that they're ready to start in that process uh i I think another important point when we're talking about education or, or wealth or wealth transfer in general um is the fact that throughout the process the the wealth creating generation has to be willing to let the the younger generation fail you know i think all of us uh if we've been successful in life in any way would attest to the fact that we're not successful because we've made all the right decisions because we haven't made mistakes uh but it's more because when we do make those mistakes or we have had those failures we've learned from them and i i I fear sometimes that we are uh raising a generation or maybe even two generations where uh failure is is not allowed and We help our kids with their homework, or we help them with many, 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 many different types of resources to help them be, to help them reach success, but potentially not allowing them to fail uh, along the way. And and I think that that's a mistake. Uh, I think one of those core values we talked about before is the hard work and perseverance and grit, if you will, and having to come back and, and dust yourself off and, and, and do better the next time. I also think that that actually gives the next generation some ownership, right? You know, when we, when we talk about the fact and and there's a, there was a Bank of New York Mellon, uh, study done back in 2018 that said that 60% of family fortunes are depleted in their, in their study, uh, found based on a lack of communication, a lack of trust. Uh, and, and as I mentioned before, poor financial planning or poor planning in general, or some sort of, uh, family dynamics issue within, uh, within the family. And, uh, and I believe that some of those issues come up. We just talked about the education and the communication of best practices, but I also think because if the kids are not brought in and are not made part of the process. They don't feel a sense of ownership. And when you don't feel like you own something or when you don't value it, or you don't, you don't think it really belongs to you. I don't think you have the same commitment or the same, uh, sense of urgency around protecting it. And so I think that's another key component, right? Connecting the generations. If, if grandpa or great grandpa is the one who created the wealth, uh, and those best practices have been passed along the great-great-great-grandchildren or the great-grandchildren, and even the grandchildren may may have a disconnect from where that came from. And therefore, they don't really have an appreciation for how much hard work and, and, and the journey and the adventure in some cases, if you will, that it took to get to the place that the family is at today. And therefore, when it's their turn to custody or to shepherd the family wealth or the family legacy, they may not feel the same sense of urgency or the same connection And so I think it's really important that we connect those uh, those generations over and over again. And then again, that's why the consistent family meetings are important. It's why having a plan to include different generations at different times. As I as many of you know, we work in in most of our family office uh, client situations, we work with three and even four generations of the family. And at this stage, it's really it's really, really uh, satisfying and, and heartening to me to see those third and in some cases, even fourth generations being brought in to the family meetings, being brought into the family succession planning conversations. And even if the family business is potentially looking to be sold, having the next generations weigh in, uh, on, on some of that, or being at least part of the process. It's really, it's really amazing to see that evolution, Um, and also really confirming Because in most of these cases where that third and fourth generations are being included, you are seeing an incredibly effective transfer of wealth in those cases. Um, I'll conclude uh, by saying that uh, in the Talmud, which is a book of Jewish law, uh, the Talmud defines a rich person as someone who appreciates what they have. And, you know, I really think that at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to help our clients achieve. I think. They've all worked incredibly hard. I wrote an article, as you all know, many months ago about the hourglass syndrome, which is, you know, once we're, once we've achieved and now we're sort of reaping the fruits of our labor, it's really hard sometimes to step back and say, wow, you know, am I really not supposed to be going into the office every day? Or am I really not supposed to be, uh, managing this or getting all the work? What happened to all the, the urgent emails I was always getting. And sometimes there's some floundering that goes on with that. And, and that's something that, that the wealth creator has to work on and find other, other ways to, to channel their energy. And this is one incredible way or one incredible, incredibly important place for that to happen. Um, the mentorship of the next generations, um, being that wise counselor, uh, I think is what the Talmud was talking about when it talked about being, uh, appreciative of what you have, but also as, as, as many of us know, You know, Jewish law also and Jewish, uh, philosophy also talks about having a responsibility and some of that responsibility is philanthropic. And some of it is, is I think part of the educational piece. And so, you know, we like to watch our clients, uh, uh, or assist them at least in, in, in making sure that those things happen, you know, over the course of time, uh, and, uh, and, and watch how those things evolve and, and ultimately hope that at the end of the day, they feel a balance. They feel a balance between achievement. They feel a balance between uh, fulfillment, uh, the heart, the head, um, all uh, all get uh, what they need. And uh, you know, family at, at the same time, uh, which is the most important thing to all of us, um, is also put in a very advantageous, strong and healthy position um, to continue those uh, the success of the family going forward. So um, that's uh, that's our podcast for today. Uh, I hope that uh, even though we're going to call it shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves, that doesn't leave a negative connotation. And uh, I think we're going to uh, change that paradigm and come up with a different and a better quote going forward uh, to talk about legacy and wealth transfer. So, thanks again for your uh, for your attention and for your participation in our podcast. Always thank you for your support. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon uh, on podcast number four.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of Taking the Complex and Making it Simple, the Merlin Wealth Management Educational Podcast. For more information on Merlin Wealth Management, please visit our website at rcm.rocko.com forward slash Merlin. Please stay tuned for an important legal disclaimer. This recording is provided for informational purposes only and is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or to participate in any investment strategy and should not be interpreted to constitute a recommendation with respect to any security or investment plan. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the presenters as of the date of this recording may not be current and are subject to change and are general in nature. Rockefeller Capital Management has no obligation to provide any updates or changes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Rockefeller Capital Management and may differ from the views and opinions of other departments or divisions of Rockefeller Capital Management and its affiliates. Rockefeller Capital Management is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. The information is not individualized. You should review any planned financial transactions or arrangement that may have tax accounting or legal implications with your personal professional advisors. Rockefeller Capital Management does not guarantee the accuracy or reliability of the information provided in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. No investment strategy can guarantee profit or protection from loss. Future results may vary substantially from past performance. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. This recording may not be copied, reproduced, or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without prior written consent. Rockefeller Capital Management is the marketing name of Rockefeller Capital Management LP and its affiliates. Merlin Wealth Management is part of Rockefeller Financial LLC, a broker-dealer and investment advisor duly registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Member Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Securities Investor Protection Corporation. The registrations and memberships mentioned in no way imply the SEC has endorsed the entities, products, or services discussed herein. Additional information is available upon request.